advantage of the day. Right. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holtis with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with Chiefs reporter Matt McMullen and the man we call the shop, the barber shop, the spider man, <laughs> uh, Sean Barber, 10-year NFL veteran and now leader in the community and with the uh, Chiefs ambassadors. This edition of the Defending the Kingdom will be called the Andy Reid Bowl. You see bowl games, right? These college bowl games, they have the uh, little patches up there. Well, you got the Super Bowl 54 patch on your cool Kelsey jersey. <laughs> so we decided to go all Andy Reid Bowl here. We're going to talk about one of the greatest coaches in the history of football, not just the NFL. A reminder that the Defending the Kingdom show is brought to you by 360 Vodka, the Kansas City's hometown vodka and the official vodka of the Chiefs Kingdom. And before we jump into Andy Reid here, we have another announcement to make. It's a guy that I've worked with for only 28 seasons now, but the executive producer of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network, so big even beyond that, Dan Israel, will be inducted this weekend into the Kansas Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. We've all worked with Spartacus at one time <laughs> or another, but the dude is a genius. And to get, I, I'm so excited he's into the hall. Man, to see him on so many different levels from a player standpoint and then being able to do production behind the scenes and watch him work both ways, like you say, in Spartacus, that is definitely the terminology because he's a leader of men. Um, he works it behind the camera. He produces some phenomenal footwork, um, um, phenomenal uh, footage. Um, so many years as a player and now as a, uh, on the production team, Dan Israel, my hat's off to you. Yeah, and just such a great leader he's been for so long. And I remember when I first came on the staff uh, several years ago, he just wanted to get to know me and welcomed me, and he's always been that way. There's a lot of turnover in sports. People come and go, but Dan's always been here and always been a huge member of this team. So well-deserved and so happy for him. He's impacted the Olympics. The league calls on him when they want to figure stuff out. Uh, he's worked with all the major networks seemingly, and he's also uh, been a cancer battler. So prayers up for Dan, uh, but congratulations to Dan Israel, a.k.a. Spartacus, for making the Kansas Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame. Also, and shop, people now defending the kingdom, it's global. Right? <laughs> we've had uh, Bolivia, we've had uh, the African continent. Yes. Uh, Every so continent, but Antarctica. Antarctica. So if you're out there in Antarctica, I know you love shop in Antarctica. You're big in Antarctica. Always. I'm just telling you. Uh, but you got a few more. I do. I do. List. Okay, so um, our comment section on the last episode. So we have uh, David. He said, thanks for the shout-out. He's in Australia. So he appreciated the shout-out. So David, one more shout-out for you down in Australia. We have a Venetius in Brazil. So down in South America, Venetius. I think I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Venetius in Brazil. Reiner in Germany. Reiner. Listening to DTK, okay. so Reiner over in Germany, so we have Europe covered. But then also, you know, we talk about all these people all over the world. Also a lot of listeners right here in Chief's Kingdom, right? <laughs> so we have Brandon. He listens while delivering mail here in Kansas City. So Love wherever you are, if you're in Germany or Australia or maybe hopefully at one point Antarctica, or if you're right here in Kansas City, thanks for listening. Neither rain nor snow nor anything will stop the mail. It will not stop defending the kingdom, and it won't stop the three of us of talking about Andy Reid. We are saying this is the Andy Reid Bowl. That's our commemorative big red patch for this game. Uh, the Chiefs against the Eagles. There's some just poetry here. But let's talk about Andy Reid overall. Because if he wins this game, 100th win, uh, with the Chiefs in both regular and postseason, it'll be the only coach, he'll be the only coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two different franchises. That in of itself is enough to put him in the Hall of Fame. Now, we're going to get into this in detail with you, but just a few overall thoughts 
on Andy Reid? Well, I'd say what's amazing to me about Andy Reid, and he's changed the culture of two different organizations, two proud organizations like we'll talk about. But what I think is so impressive about him is that he's not just a guy that has his system. He plugs it in. It works for a while, and then it goes away. Like, we see so many coaches have their system, their thing, right? Well, Coach Reed has adapted with the times, and I think that's the most impressive thing about him over his two-decade-long career as a head coach. If you look at his playbook in 1999, it's probably a bit different than what it is today, and he's adapted with the best of them. He's always been one of the best coaches in all of football, no matter what the times and what everything is being thrown at him is. And I think that's the most impressive thing about him is his ability to adapt. And and he's not a self-promoter, so – this is why anything we can say about him is proper because he's just not one to put himself out there. But your thoughts? Well, as a player, you realize there are always two types of coaches. And I know they call them player coaches, and then you have coaches that are always throwing players under the bus, right? <laughs> Somebody's going to get fired. It's going to be the players. Ain't my fault. <laughs> Ain't my fault. I, I put him out there. I put him out. I lined him. Assignment. He didn't make the play. Let's get a new uh, player. Andy has been a guy that, he doesn't want to waste your time, whether it's in the meeting room, on the field. He treats men like men. Yeah. There's a level of respect he has for players. You've done so much to get the opportunity to play this game all through the years of Little League and in college to put yourself in a position to be a part of the NFL. All he wants to do is put you in an environment to educate yourself and to be able to play at the highest level possible. There is nothing he wants to do from an organization standpoint that adds any extra distractions. He wants to eliminate stressors eliminate distractions, and let guys go, what he says on game day or the night before, let your personality show. Yeah. And as a player, you appreciate that because there's not many coaches that see the, the, the team as being more important than themselves. It's a very ego-driven uh, um, organization as far as the NFL is, 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 as a whole. And when you're the head coach of one of 32 professional teams in the NFL, the highest level of football, it's very easy to let your pride get in the way. Andy, has, for, for, for a number of years, has always checked his pride and his ego at the door, and he lets the desire and the goals of that team supersede anything he wants from a personal level. And I'll add on that, too, not to get too off base here, but that's what gives me so much confidence in this team moving forward after a couple of, couple of tough losses because he always says, hey, that's my responsibility. We'll clean that up. He's never too high never too low. I said that on Rewind after the game. If the team's winning the Super Bowl, he's excited, of course, but he's not too high. And if the team has lost a couple games in a row, he's not too not too low. So he has that middle ground. He's always even keel. And I think that helps players, and I think that helps fans as well. And that's why this team will be just fine moving forward, I think. Which is why he's a great troubleshooter. You and I earlier um, on Kingdom Conversations, in 14, DeVito and DJ go down with Achilles tears within five minutes. Never seen it in my life. Okay, Chiefs start 0-2. He rallies to go 9-7. and Coach Reed does. 15, 1-5 start. He wins 10 straight games, and the Chiefs win a playoff game for the first time in a generation. 17, they lose six out of seven games. He rallies the team. They win the division. 19, we all think about unicorns, candy canes, parades, <laughs> right? Three straight losses at home. Mahomes is hurt, um, and they go on to win the Super Bowl. So that's your point. The, th- the biggest compliment I've been able to give Andy Reid is he gets the human spirit. He gets the human spirit. He grew up in Los Angeles. He did not grow up in Malibu, okay, or Beverly Hills. He went to John Marshall High School, multicultural high school, right? And the fact that he has – but he gets everything. He gets the rural. He gets the urban. He gets the minority. I mean, he, he's, he's an amazing person in that regard. He gets it, and he gets the human spirit. Um, and he's phenomenal. 
So, to put this game in context, and again, if you're just listening and not watching this edition of Defending the Kingdom, we're in our Chiefs jerseys, suited up for the Andy Reid Bowl with our Andy Reid patches uh, up uh, and ready to go. But let's go back and put this game in context because it's going to start really in 1999. Let's take the Eagles when they hired Andy Reid, the redheaded offensive coach from the Green Bay Packers. Right? <laughs> he had been with Favre. They'd seen him on the highlights, but... The Eagles, in the 15 years prior to Andy Reid's arrival, okay, won 126 games, lost 126 games, and tied three. Andy's there for 14 years, eight division titles, gets him to the (laughs) NFC Championship game, takes over the NFC East, basically. We're going to get to this in a second. Shop has seen this from both sidelines. Uh, But your overall comment, let's go back to him, transforming Philadelphia into what they became. And then we're going to get into Shop's interesting story here because if there's anyone in the kingdom that has perspective from both sidelines of Andy Reid, it is one Sean Barber. Your thoughts? Well, it's just crazy what he was able to do in Philadelphia. And it's much like what he's been able to do in Kansas City where he truly has raised an entire generation of fans where, hey, our football team is really good. And for me, so I'm 28 years old, when I was growing up, the Eagles were really good. So as far as I'm concerned, when I was growing up as a football fan, the Eagles are always in it. I mean, they're going to four straight conference title games. The Eagles are a great football team. And you think about when you when you realize your own perspective, you think it's always been that way. So in my mind, growing up, the Eagles have always been a great team. And Coach Reed truly made that when he got to Philadelphia in 1999. He changed everything in Philadelphia, made them a consistent winner. And even think about their Super Bowl victory with Doug Peterson – Coach Reed was the ripple effect of that. I mean, if Coach Reed doesn't uh, mentor and teach Doug Peterson, doesn't teach him his system, the Eagles don't win that Super Bowl even when Coach Reed wasn't there. So Coach Reed changed everything even beyond uh, after he had left Philadelphia. And he's done the same thing here where you have an entire generation of fans in Kansas City that do not know what it's like to miss the playoffs, which is amazing. And I absolutely love it. But for fans that grew up when I did, when you're growing up in the early 2000s or uh, in the late 90s, you went through some tough times. And Philadelphia fans did the same thing. And Coach Reed has changed everything for two generations of fans so it's it's really amazing what he's been able to do so let's put this you were five years old when coach Reed got hired at philadelphia yeah okay you were five years old then when there was a aspiring linebacker for the washington football <laughs> team by the name of sean barber and here's where we're going to go 19- don't make him feel old 1990 well i'm feeling old. <laughs> i look at you like oh my gosh uh, you were a washington linebacker yes and andy reed comes into the division washington and Dallas, man, were pounding it out for the Giants. I mean, the Eagles were kind of the Eagles. And, but now all of a sudden, Andy Reid gets that job. You had four games against him as a, an opponent, being a linebacker for the Washington football team. What was that like in 99 and 2000? I, I think by recollecting, I try to reminisce about what it is preparing for an a Andy Reid team. It's always going to be a team that's well-prepared. Um, you know they were going to be uh, not heavily penalized. They were going to execute at a very high level. So execution and preparedness was something you knew you was going to get. So you had to really um, be on your, your, your toes. You had to be on your P's and Q's. You had to be always prepared to play your job and understand your position uh, from a fundamental standpoint way beyond any other. All this playing instinctive football, putting on the uh, Superman cape, making plays from sideline to sideline. If you did that against Andy Reid, he would find a way to expose you. Oof. He would expose your quickness. It, it, the, the things you thought were your strengths so, so, somehow became your weakness. <laughs> and, and he had a, a way of doing that over and over again. No matter how prepared you thought you was for his game plan, 
he was able not only before the game to put something in, but then there was always a few wrinkles in the second half that utilized whatever was working in the first half somehow didn't work anymore in the second half. And he was so amazing in those early years of the screen game. He had wide receiver screens, running back screens, tight end screens. He utilized that screen game so efficiently. It makes a linebacker always – you got to play you, – you, it's like you're playing the run, the pass, and then the run again <laughs> in one snap. And so you didn't, you didn't know what you were seeing. You didn't know it was a pass set, a screen set, a draw. And he kept you so kind of just, just, just unsure about what you were seeing up front uh, with false keys and things like that. So all of his teams were so uh, versatile. As far as being able to run and pass the ball, um, he used a draw as a, as a run. He used a quick pass as, a, as an extension of the running game. And those are still things to this day that are very uh, cornerstones of his offense. But he has definitely extrapolated and definitely gone way beyond uh, those 99 and 2000 seasons. Like you said, I think I went two and two against him. I feel, I feel lucky to have those two wins uh, because I know as a linebacker, he really had me um, playing to probably some of my highest level of plays uh, during those uh, two seasons. Was Brian Westbrook there when you were uh, defending them? Actually, if we talk about 98, 99, 2000, it's probably more was uh, Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley. Okay. It was yeah. the Deuce Staley teams. Um, obviously, um, um, the quarterback was probably um, – uh, Which started out with Doug Peterson. It was, it, it <laughs> was just Doug, crazy. It was Peterson for a while. Then McNabb. Um, and then McNabb for maybe a few years before I actually um, became a Philadelphia Eagle. But um, it, it was it was just so ex- – it was so amazing to play a team that was so versatile. That could, it, I mean, he stretched you all 53 and a quarter yards from sideline to sideline. It was always um, uh, opportunity for them to expose your defense. Um, and whatever you didn't correct a week before – Whatever, whatever big plays you gave up a week before, there was some way he was going to attack that exact same thing to see if you corrected it. He wanted to know in the first 15 plays that you correct your mistakes from a week ago because if not, we're going to keep exposing it until you have to correct it on the sideline. So he took everything you gave him. He took it. And then when it came to that second half, you had to be ready for Andy Reid uh, 2.0. I'm going to just give you the stats here, Matt, since you were five years old, <laughs> uh, but, which is cool. In 99, Shop splits with Andy. He loses 35-28, kind of a shootout, but okay. Shop had a pass defense. It's a lot of points in 1999. Lot, yeah, it is. Four <laughs> tackles. Two weeks later, so this goes back to your point, you're playing these guys within close proximity. Yeah. And I love what you said, he'll take your strength and make it your weakness. To, I can see that. Uh, then uh, two weeks later, you play him at home, and you win in overtime. 20 to 17 mm-hmm. uh, in Washington. He had six tackles in that game. All right, 2000, November 8 uh, at Philly, a 17 14 win for the uh, Washington football team. Pass defense for our favorite uh, co host, tri host here. Hold on. Uh, and then on November 26, feels like a Thanksgiving game. Yeah. Uh, they lose 23 to 20. So again, you played him in close proximity, but Matt, that's just that's what we <laughs> see from coach. And we've seen it over the last several years here. Yeah, and you got my mind thinking here about how he attacks your weaknesses because I mentioned how he adapts at the top of the show. And I think his ability to identify weaknesses over time led to him adapting and pulling things from the college game and changing the game as we see it today. You mentioned the screen game. The NFL didn't use running backs like Coach Reed did back when he first broke into the league, and now everyone uses them that way. (laughs) And a few years ago, I looked this up to see how much the league had changed, but also how Coach Reed had changed with the league and led that charge. I believe back in, it might have been 1999 or 2000 is when I looked it up, but I was curious how many shotgun snaps 
uh, Coach Reed had his quarterback in in one of his first few years, and it was like one or two. I mean, because that's just the way the league was. Because I mean, it was power eye. It was it was you know under center. I mean, you never put your quarterback in the shotgun unless it was like third and forever or something. Well, now everyone's in the shotgun all the time, and it just impresses me so much that Coach Reed has found ways to change his entire offensive philosophy. Like once again, guys coming out of you know the MITs of football world, they have their their playbook and they're like, this is my system. This is going to work. It's going to work wherever I go. We see that so often in the college game and it kind of bleeds into the NFL. But the best coaches are the ones that say, here's my personnel. How can I take advantage of it and make my team better and attack the opponent? And Coach Reed for decades has found ways to do that in ways that no one else has been able to do. And he leads the charge. Like how often do we watch a game on Monday Night Football or something and go, that's a Coach Reed play right there that we were running two years ago because other play callers see it and go, how is he figuring these things out? How is he thinking of these things? How can we replicate it? And that's the challenge for the Chiefs is just finding ways to constantly stay ahead of everyone else because everyone's trying to follow what we're doing. But it's amazing stuff. And he's not too proud. He'll look at other plays. He might watch the Richmond Virginia <laughs> Tech game and go, ooh, I like that. Yeah. And he's got all these eyeballs on all these games. I know. I've seen it. It's, oh. it's the NASA uh, in our surrounding him. But he, he's, he's fascinating uh, in the way he approaches and is always adjusting. I can tell you, and I've broadcast his games for nine years and shop you've been around this game a long time i can't tell you based on down and distance or hash mark what he's going to do <laughs> he is totally unpredictable and i and i you go oh that formation this okay that's what this is going to be we see that in most teams and matt to your point most coaches are the ones that this is my system here's what we do you're going to run it this guy's rare Okay, now let's shift on. And by the way, our Defending the Kingdom podcast, this one is entitled the Andy Reid Bowl. Coach can be the first player, or coach, sorry, first coach in NFL history to win 100 games with two different franchises this week in Philadelphia. It's just poetic. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, and it's the, we got our Andy Reid Bowl shirts on here. Our jerseys are ready to play. But this is the old adage, if you can't beat him, join him. Because now Sean Barber becomes – a linebacker on Andy Reid's team <laughs> in 2002. I love this. Shop, you become an eagle, and honestly, this is your best year of your career. What is it now like being with Andy Reid instead of him using his strengths against you? Well, it, it became a, a time for me to basically go out there and let my, my talents kind of show themselves. Um, it, it was a time at Washington where I was fitting in the defense. I was, I was kind of becoming my own learning what my strengths and weaknesses are. And it, uh, going to Philadelphia got me a part. Got me, I was able to join a defense that was already one of the top defenses. Um, but they, the, the one part they were missing was a playmaker at the will linebacker position. And they told me coming in that exactly what I was expected to come in and do. Uh, they weren't going to slow down. They weren't going to start um, uh, I'm not calling stuff or slow down the blitz package for me to, the train was going. It was going 100 miles an hour, and I was expected to jump on. They wasn't going to press the brakes, slow me down or anything. Um, and so our blitz package was something that it definitely um, showcased my coverage ability. It showcased my uh, ability to make plays. Uh, but also that will linebacker position allowed me to go sideline to sideline, stay covered up, and be a playmaker, creating fumbles, um, um, uh, actually getting a lot of tackles throughout the season. Uh, but with Andy – I would say the the, 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 the the spice he added to the defense was a an air of patience, knowing that you did you the the play was going to come. Just trust the system, trust the defense. We we draw up the system and the play for for you to make a play. 
sometimes it's not yours. Some, sometimes we just need you to play within the defense because we're setting the trap for the offense. And when we want to set that trap and let that offense walk into it and it's time to set that trap off, you need to be able to not just knock the ball down, but you need to go ahead and make that pick and run, and run back for a pick six. And there was only a certain amount of guys they felt like were uh, capable of playing that position and being put in that. Man, I played with some amazing guys on that defense. Um, but we had such a level of trust on all three levels, and that, that trust came from Andy Reid. Andy Reid just, man, he gifted us a sense of trust, camaraderie, um, a sense of oneness in that defense that was unlike any other team I played for. It shows up in your stats. Listen to these, Matt. Okay, 2002, this is our man shop. Started all 16 games, 60, all right. 69 tackles. Okay, you're a career high. You had a sack. Two interceptions, including an 80-yard pick six at Dallas at against Dallas. the Cowboys. Was it, who was it against, Drew Bledsoe? No, I guess, as the old Dallas coach, I think. Wasn't it against the uh, – Jason Garrett? J- I think it was Jason okay, Garrett. Okay. Wow. I didn't you totally that. know who it was. Uh, you know it is. <laughs> two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. More importantly, they win a divisional playoff match. They get a bye, beat Atlanta in a divisional playoff game, and lose narrowly to Tampa Bay, who goes on to mm. win it. Gruden. Gruden. Uh, taking Tony Dungy's team. But anyway, <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Uh, the point is, um, you got that close to the smoke, the big show. Uh, your thoughts when you hear that, Matt, about Sean Barber thriving in Andy Reid's system? Well, I'm not surprised, of course. But I, have a, I actually have a question for Sean based on all of this. And <laughs> I mean, my thought here is we talk a lot about culture and how Coach Reid changes the culture of places. And you've kind of touched on this, but Coach Reid isn't a big rah-rah guy. I mean, he's not, you know, getting out there in the media and screaming and yelling and all this stuff or, or riling the team up with those kind of antics. But we always hear about the culture that he has and how he endears himself to his players. And I'm just curious, as a guy that played for him, what gave you that trust in him that he had your back and that you wanted to play to your best of your abilities for him? I mean, I say initially it was the fact that I was coming off of injury. So the reason I left Washington was because I had an ACL injury and I was rehabbing it and the Redskins didn't feel like I was going to come back 100%. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles actually took a chance on me. They took a chance. They saw enough of my rehab and they felt comfortable with me uh, getting back to 100%. And actually, I guess from playing them twice, I uh, made enough plays that they felt like that might be a, a, good, a good addition to their team. Um, obviously, it comes under the mentorship of Jim Johnson, God yeah. bless his soul. Yep. Uh, one of the most aggressive defensive callers as far as his philosophy was to put so much pressure on the offense. We were going to dictate from a defensive standpoint what we were going to allow the offense to do. So this, this whole concept of offenses calling plays <laughs> and then defenses having to react, we totally – Flip that around 360. We made we 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 totally took your offense and we created such a pressure package that we made you eliminate offensive plays. From a defensive standpoint, that made my job a lot more easier. Yeah. And so, from like I said, he 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 analysis he made analysis and he made uh, 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 he was able to like look at my game and say, "Look, Sean, you go sideline to sideline. You're so quick, so fast. You don't have to be correct your first step." You can give the offense a count or two because you still have the speed to make up for it and still make a play. But what I can't have you do is be wrong. Because if you're wrong, going to you're so fast, you're going to dislodge yourself about five yards, and then you're going to leave that back door uh, for Tiki Barber and, <laughs> and, uh, and those uh, Redskins at, the, at Stephen Davis's of the yeah. world. When they hit that back door, they're going to go out the gate. So we need you to protect our backside. And then if you need to – Turn on that next level, getting that next gear. You have great makeup speed. You have great. You can cover the field, but just don't, 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 don't. From the snap of the ball, don't overreact. Yeah. Just wait for the play to come to you. And like I said, instinctively, 
um, that defense was something, and you can tell from the stats, it, it became like my second nature. That was the, the most fun I had my entire career was playing with the Eagles under Jim Johnson and Andy Reid. I just love hearing that, right? Because when you think about the confidence that he gives his players, you can see that on the team here today. It's here's what you're really good at. You're awesome. Let your personality show. And here are a few things to keep in mind out there. <laughs> and it shows year to year. We see players in other systems and other cultures. They come here and they truly blossom. And it's just a, a really cool thing to see. I've heard others, many, say exactly what you said. They've had the most fun of their career playing for this coach, Andy Reid, and guys that were here when he took over. Now let's let's advance it here because now we're going to get to the Chiefs part of this. All right. In the 15 years prior to Andy Reid's arrival, the Chiefs' kingdom won 118 games and lost 138. 20 games below 500 in that 15 years. So you're looking at about 7 and 9 ish, 6 and 10 ish. There were some good years popping. We all know that. And you played on a 13 3 team. But. He changed things immediately. I remember when I got the text from Mark Donovan, he's coming, and I'm thinking, wow, Andy Reid is coming here. Everything changed, and it changed immediately. Keep in mind, I have often said we were the dishes on the Titanic. We were phytoplankton. We were at the bottom of the ocean at 2-14, and 14, and we looked like it was a long way to 3-13. and 13. And we go 9-0 and 0 his first year here. It, it, it's phenomenal, the impact that this guy has. So – Let's talk about the transformation that happened here because people enjoy success for a nine-year period. All they think is we're going to the playoffs and win Super Bowls. Wait a minute. Let's back up the truck and look at this and realize the perspective here of what Andy Reid has done from a historical context, better than Hank Stram, beloved, better than the late Marty Schottenheimer, beloved, any coach that's coached for the Chiefs, none has done what Andy Reid has done. So I remember back in 2012 – I watched with my buddy in college. We watched every single game, all 60 minutes of it, even the last game of the year. So did I, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you had, and you had to call it. You and I were the only two watching it. <laughs> yeah. Like Lenny Dawson. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I watched every single one of those games, and all I wanted, all Chiefs Kingdom wanted, was a winner. And we have this incredible fan base. We have this incredible history, and we know that we're better than this. We know it, you know, and we, and we deserve it. And when Coach Reed came along – before he even coached a game, I remember his opening press conference. I'm just a fan back then. I'm watching it, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, everything is different now. You can just tell it's just different now. And and it's been that way. And it just, as a fan of this team, first and foremost, it just makes everything worth it in the end. And it's like we knew that we could get to this point. And that's what I was thinking about when we won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Got my patch here. My wife wore this during uh, when she was at Super Bowl 54. So I think she has to wear this to all of them moving forward. But that's what I was thinking about, you know, is I remember where we were and where I was as a fan. And it's like, I'm not jumping ship. This is my team and I love them. How do we figure things out? And Coach Reed figured it out. And I knew it from day one. And it's just so cool to know that this guy has the ingredients necessary to create this amazing recipe and then he does it for all these years and the success that we've had to be the team that we are now is just so much fun to the point where we're one and two and we're like what one and two what and we know we'll figure it out we're not even panicking because we know we have coach Reed at the helm it's a very special thing remember the old movie Pleasantville everything's in black and white of course and as the movie goes on like people appear in color when they become enlightened (laughs) that's the way this place was because it felt like we were covered in coal dust. And then, bing, within a week and a half, he started to change things. And 
I'm going to ask you, Shop, because, again, more than any, you were here in the kingdom, yep. but you saw he's coming. You played for him. You played against him. You played for him again in 2006. We're running out of time. We can't get into that story. But the Burkholters and the Spags eventually, but the, the, he brought his village with him. Yeah. What were you thinking when the Chiefs have Andy Reid as their coach now? Well, the, the, the perspective I can put on it is uh, when I got here in 03, 04, and 05, um, there was a great offense here, a great offense. And I was, I was uh, almost deemed or christened to be a leader on the defensive side of the ball with uh, Greg Robinson in that defense. There was, you know, I can boldly and, and, and honestly say there was not much trust in that defense. From a player to the coaching staff, um, whether it's from the D-line to the linebackers, from our linebackers trusting that our secondary can do what they were asked to do. And when you go into a, a, a meeting room on a practice field and you, and you feel that there's a lack of trust on the different levels, you know sooner or later, yeah, you might win a couple ball games. And I think that season, right, in 2003. 13-3. Right, we started 9-0, and yep. went 13-3. and But something as me as a player knew that that team could not – win it all it couldn't yeah, it couldn't right. be a team that stand the test of time because it, it was so much mistrust no one trusted they was going to be in the right position or that the defensive call was going to be the right call for that situation in the game the one thing i knew that when andy andy reed came to kansas city that one thing that trust was going to be eliminated that lack of trust was going to be eliminated i didn't know how long it was going to take i didn't know how long the environment was going to uh um uh, 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 take for him to evolve and build that trust between the, the offense and defensive side of the ball and between the front office and the coaches and the coaches and the players. But I knew if he was given enough time and people just, 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 just eat what he's feeding you, right? It's about the players having time to learn. It's about the environment of learning alignment assignment, learning football philosophy, taking guys, get down, t- taking guys who have been told they are all this. Sometimes you got to chop them down a few. You got to chop them down and let them see their faults, and then you got to build them back up as a coach. You can't coach a guy on the field. You got to let him make some mistakes to realize why he's making the mistakes. But then you got to be bold enough and proud enough as a coach to take that player to the side and find out why did he do that? Why did he misstep and go the wrong way? Why did that player run that route short? Why was that ball overthrown? Like all the different things, some coaches and players don't they don't communicate. They want to be, be, watch the film, and they, they hope the coach don't see that play. I messed up. And coach goes to the next play, and they, whew. Like I, I, I mean, I mean it through. <laughs> he didn't see that play. He didn't see the play where I was looking the wrong way. I went the wrong way. When, when it's a, a accountability and, and you know it's a passion to, to, to be in truth and honor and you just want the team to be successful, even if it's at your own demise, you, hold, hold up, coach. Stop that play. Hey, I went the wrong way. I had my eyes on that guard, and when they went that way, like, which gap am I supposed to take? It's a, lear- it's a passion for learning. And it, some coaches do not build a culture that make guys feel comfortable even showing that they don't know what they don't know. <laughs> and, you, and you go over and over again, assuming that the guy to your left and the right knows what they're supposed to do until, guess what, it's game day. And that offensive coordinator on that other team, he tweaks the play. Instead of the guard pulling, the center pulls – and we got two linebackers going to the A-gap and nobody in the C-gap, and it goes for six, and we're on the sideline looking like, what, what, what did we do wrong? How, who hit the wrong gap? Nobody has any accountability. Nobody wants to step up and say, hey, I, I read the wrong person. I read the wrong gap. I ran the wrong per, uh, personnel. Oh, I lined up the wrong place. I executed wrong. There's a, there's a, there's a level of trust here. Everybody is sacrificing, working their butts off on a daily basis to do things the right way. 
And that's something that Coach Reed, since day one, has brought here. And I knew when he brought that here, we, we, we had the personnel. We had the personnel, but all we needed was that trust and that accountability. And he's married both of those things to create a uh, what we had in the middle, middle of a dynasty. And, and I'll add there, too, that accountability is behind closed doors, which I think is super important. Because how, else, how often do you see coaches call out players in the media or call out players – uh, outside of the building, that doesn't do anything for accountability. That just makes a guy be down on himself, and then you have mistrust. Coach Reed will go out and say, this is all my responsibility. Then behind closed doors, address the issues, and that's so important. But while he addresses the issues, he creates horizontal accountability in his locker room. He knows that's important, that he can't win without that. It can't just be the coach alone. We'll close this way. One of my first conversations with him, because you, you uh, spurred this thought, is shop was I said, coach, because we were in a one-on-one. I said, it just seems like the league is turning into almost distrust. Like, instead of starting at zero, and I've got to earn Shop's trust and Matt's trust, like you're starting at negative five. He goes, no, I don't necessarily agree with that. It depends on the environment that you're in. Now, I can see what you're saying a little bit. Things have changed in this league. But he goes, just, it's not necessarily that. Like, don't start at minus five. Now, I'm going to let you start at zero. Might give you plus one. He's, but... He immediately said, I'm going to hold you accountable. I saw that look in his eye, and I got like I had to go to the bathroom real fast. (laughs) But it's also something special in him. And I saw it, and starting in the first couple weeks he was here, I thought, we're going to win. And we won. (laughs) Philadelphia won. The Chiefs have won. And now the two play each other, ironically, with Andy Reid, can make National Football League history if he gets his 100th win with the Chiefs, and he did so with the Eagles. No other coach has done that in the history of the league. Yes, it's the Andy Reid Bowl. <laughs> Thanks to my man, Shop, Sean Barber. Thanks to my man, Matt McMullen. And honestly, folks, don't let this thought pass by. Uh, this is a moment in National Football League history, the Andy Reid Bowl coming up on Sunday. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. I'm Mitch Holtis, Voice of the Chiefs. Touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.